Welcome to the Soulful Entrepreneur Life Podcast. And this morning, we're going to get started with my partner in life and with so many of our businesses, my husband, Alan Young. This segment is going to cover his experience as an entrepreneur and how he got started in the entrepreneurial life. So, Alan, say hello. Hello. How's everyone today? Actually, we are taping this around 4 o'clock in the morning because as entrepreneurs, sometimes you don't sleep and you just get up and get with it. So, Mm -hmm. let's get started. So, Alan, how did you get started as an entrepreneur? Well, my first job, I was in high school and I was a stock clerk for A&P Grocery Store on the south side of Chicago and I thought I did a fairly decent job of stocking the shelves with the proper product and I had good experience with my fellow employees as well as with my bosses. They gave me no issues, I gave them no issues. But at a certain point down the road I was laid off from my job as a stock clerk for A&P. I was devastated. And then what happened after you were laid off? Well, it, it came to, to, to my uh, reality that I probably needed to do more to improve my ability to be uh, gracious to my fellow employees, as well as to my bosses, as well as trying to make sure that what I was doing would be good for the customer. After all, the customer is always right, especially when it comes down to stocking product for A&P. So we know then that you actually moved into owning your own Shell station. Tell us how that transpired from A&P into your Shell gas station. Well, I eventually applied for a position with Shell Oil Company as they were seeking minority candidates to 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 work. Uh, in their uh, Shell gas stations, and uh, I felt that I was equally qualified to do that, and I enjoyed that. And uh, I remember Mr. Ramsey, who was my immediate supervisor, a very nice man, and all the other bosses that I had, they were very nice men, who I thought gave me all the experience that I needed in order to do a good job for, for, for for Shell Oil Company. And how long did you work for Shell Oil Company before you decided to open up your own Shell gas station? Well, I saw the writing on the wall in that if I can work for Shell Oil Company, I could also be an entrepreneur for one of their service stations. And I had the energy I had to know knowledge. So what I did was I resigned my position with Shell Oil Company and took over a 
service station on the south side of Chicago. Perfect. So you just took a leap of faith and said, I can do this, right? That is correct. Perfect. That's one of the the qualities as an entrepreneur. You have to really be willing to take that leap and say, I can do this. I have the trust and knowledge in myself that we'll go for this. So he went for it. And tell me about some of the good experiences you had with that Shell station. Well, the good experiences, of course, were that had the ability to hire people, uh, good people as fat, who were able to show up on their job and who did a good job for me and for the customer and allowed me also the opportunity to work long hours and to make sure that we did well with all the customers that came into the Shell service station to buy petroleum products. It was somewhat naive of me to think that I could do it very well, but I was young, I had energy, and I did not feel that in any way that I could fail in doing this job on the south side of Chicago. Thank you. You mentioned about three qualities that are really important and key for survivorship of entrepreneurs. Having the confidence to know that you can do it. Hiring well at the beginning, really. Hiring well, having good team staff members, and you also mentioned servicing your customers well. All three key issues to having a quality entrepreneurial life. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So, how long did you have the Shell Station, and what were some of the maybe lesser uh, experiences or more challenging experiences that you had while you owned the Shell Station? Well, the Shell Service Station was in a predominantly African-American community. And um, as far as I knew, uh, my experience with my clients and with my employees was relatively good, even though I did have some rather challenging experiences because some of the employees weren't exactly all the best they could be. But I stood my ground and I made sure they got paid well and I make sure that they did the right thing to satisfy the customer as well as satisfy uh, the neighborhood. Did you have any bad experiences at, at the Shell Station? Well, we had a few. I had a few bad experiences. Like what? Well, uh, we had employees who would attack me. <laughs> <laughs> for attack whatever, you? Yeah, they attacked me for whatever reason. And we fought and... In fact, we had one fight that went out to the middle of the street in the middle of the winter. And after the fight was over with, it was like, okay, fine, we're done. Let's move on. And I had another employee, he attacked me as well. But as those circumstances ended, you kind of realize that the next day or the next moment, your job is to satisfy the client. And most clients are easy to satisfy. All you have to do is smile and make sure you give them the right product for the right service. True. And that's one thing we have to think about, ladies, as women. Sometimes we tend to hold on to things. I think uh, as males, they can kind of have an incident and move on. We tend to hold on to some incidents and circumstances as well. In business, that is not a good trait for us. So you did it, and it happened, and it moved on, right? That's correct. You went back to business. That's correct. All right. That's interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how long did you have the Shell Station? Well, I started 
the Shell Station in 1969. That was the month that I left Shell Oil Company and I worked as the owner of a Shell service station until 1975. At that time, uh, I got had an interest to become part of General Motors Dealer Development Training Program. So I became part of their program and then at the end of 1977, I had resigned my position as the owner of the Shell service station and became part of the uh, General Motors Dealer Development Training Program. Wow, and so how did that come about? How did you become owner of a General Motors dealership franchise? Well, it's not so much what you know, it's who you know. I had a couple of friends who were involved, and as I had my own experience dealing with people, I knew that I had the savoir faire in order to make my customers happy and to uh, hire the right people. We hired, in fact, we had a lot of Chicago policemen, and people talk about how policemen do this and policemen do that, but most Chicago policemen are really nice people. And uh, they worked for me, did a good job for me, and I was very glad to have them on my payroll. So, the dealership, how did you move into that? Well, the dealership, another uh, odd experience because uh, obviously uh, I was recruited by, by, by uh, General Motors. And uh, for that, then they obviously show you opportunities as to become available for franchise. And you have to have money, of course. And of course, you may end up moving to a different location in the country. Uh, I was in Chicago, but I ended up in Lincoln, Nebraska. Then eventually I ended up in, in, uh, in, uh, 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 here in Texas. And uh, it was a rather trying experience, but I thought I did a pretty good job doing that, considering the fact that certain people probably didn't like me that much but I thought I was pretty good with them. Right. First of all, before we continue, I want to go back to a statement you made. It's another key factor when you are an entrepreneur or starting the business. It's not always about what you know. You mentioned it was about who you know, because who gave you the information about the General Motors project, hiring minorities? Well, I knew a gentleman who was a friend of my wife and I, who actually became a car dealer himself. He was very excited about it. And uh, he encouraged me to become part of their dealer development training program. And uh, I was with their program for 24 months. And uh, uh, once I completed the program, then they uh, show me franchises as they become available for franchise. Now, there's no guarantee. I guarantee you that. It's just that you learn and you learn and you learn more because basically you're in an environment where uh, most of your, your clients, most of your uh, uh, people you come in contact with are Caucasian people from a different part of the different part of the country. Yes, another very good point. Learning, always be learning. That's one of my mantras, particularly as an entrepreneur. You don't know what you don't know. So continue to learn so that you can improve yourself and the life of your customers. That is correct. Thank you. So, 
as you moved into the entrepreneurial life as an automobile dealer and moving from Chicago mm. to Nebraska to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, what were some of the challenges that you encountered? Well, I was a slight bit naive about certain things because certain people I came in contact with did not like me because of the color of my skin. On the other hand, I certainly didn't show any dislike for them. All I had to do was just make sure that I took care of the customer and that the customer took care of me uh, to the point to where I had no issues with the customer. So I was very glad to have the opportunity to do that, doing things with, with certain opportunities uh, such as uh, Toastmasters and, and other opportunities where you have a chance to speak to people. And most people, in my opinion, were very nice. Absolutely. I'd like to go back to one more um, item you mentioned earlier on that you had to have money to buy into an, a General Motors dealership. As you always say, you have to put your skinny in the game. So being a good steward of your money early on in life is so important. It will catapult, help to catapult you to the next uh, level. So really being a good steward of money and, and saving, I sometimes used to call him, he would pinch a penny till it was green, but it worked out well for Alan and for us. So, and also a key learning period. You always like to learn and you mentioned Toastmasters. Helping to present yourself in a good fashion is all also very good. That is correct. Okay. So what were some of the, the more uh, highlights of owning a automobile dealership as a minority? Well, you have the opportunity to speak to a variety of people uh, of different ethnic backgrounds who for the most part were pleasant. Um, I thought they were pleasant anyway. And I think for the most part, people you come in contact with, white, Hispanic, black, if you treat them right, they'll treat you right. Very key, knowing how to treat people, yes. That's correct. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from Mayo Angela, yeah is knowing how to treat people well. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. They may not remember what you said or did, but they will remember how you made them feel. That is correct. Okay. So can you remember one or two highlights of in owning the, the dealership that brought you joy? Well, I did have the opportunity to uh, speak to uh, various churches, white churches, uh, evangelical churches about uh, my spiritual feelings toward Jesus and how they felt toward me regarding that. And I felt that I was very much involved in their, in their, in their being because they were good to me and I was good to them. It brings back in that the faith part that really that is, I feel it's really necessary in order to kind of keep going and go, because you will have struggles like you mentioned, but knowing that you have a, that higher power on God that he can help catapult you. And it is, 
to have the, the godly love within one another, it helps you to see people differently and treat them differently. That's correct. It really does. So, what are some of the challenges that you had? Well, the only, I mean, challenges is like a dollar sign, okay? Yeah. You got to make sure that uh, you earn enough money to pay your employees, uh, to grow your business, to express your honesty and integrity among the people you come in contact with. Because I found out that most people, I say that generally speaking, I mean, if you treat them correctly, they'll treat you correctly. True. Mm -hmm. We keep going back to your your customers and, and the people that surround you and your team members. That is correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. it, it's important to know how to develop those relationships. That's well, correct. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Since we don't have a whole lot of time, I'm going to kind of go through that process. As you Can you tell us how long you had the dealership? Well, I uh, became a dealer, uh, of course, starting in Lincoln, Nebraska in 1979. Then in 1985, I moved to uh, uh, North Richland Hills, Texas. And I stayed there until I eventually moved out of that location uh, several years later. And how did that transpire? As we have highs and lows in businesses, um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because one thing I really like to do with anybody that's that's interviewing, this is a raw, just we're going to be real and raw in this podcast segment so that we can learn from our highs as well as our lows. So how did that transpire? Well, highs and lows are things that, you, that, that, that if you stabilize the highs and lows, it'll be a straight line where you, without me having somebody to show you, where you can gradually move up a little bit, scale yourself up as you, as you do better with, uh, as you do better with your business. And uh, I can't think of anyone who felt that I was a poor dealer I didn't do my best to help my employees and or help uh, my uh, customers. Absolutely. And how did you transition out of that business? Well, being real and raw. Basically, uh, uh, GM decided they wanted to uh, move me out of the business uh, because uh, they had issues uh, with their franchise ease. And uh, what happened was they eventually took me out of the franchise. Okay. And like, like I say, life happens. And so right. it does. So that could have been really, and it was um, being in reality for us a little bit of a, a lower time, but we transitioned through that. That's correct. Right? Because we had some very, very good years in that dealership as well. That is correct. Yes, we certainly did. And um, life happens. Mm -hmm. So then we moved on to something else, but... Tell us a little bit about your, your feelings and how you kind of overcame that low and able to kind of move up to something else. Because we moved on to another business, right? Right. Yes, we sure did. And we took those lessons and kind of did things a little bit differently into another business. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I say that to say your highs and your lows and your challenges 
learn from those lessons, take what you can, and then use those in other areas so that you can move forward. That's correct. Yes. Don't let defeats and some of those challenges and those heavy burdens defeat you. That is correct. Don't let that defeat you, no. Okay. Anything, last words or words of wisdom for our listeners this evening before we, or morning, it's four o'clock, before we sign off? Well, you have to continue uh, your efforts. You don't, you don't, you don't give up. Um, you maintain a positive attitude. Uh, you maintain your grit and determination. And um, if it doesn't work out, then you just try something different. But in the meantime, you try to maintain your, your, your physical and mental health. Exactly. Mm-hmm. As I like to say in one of my, my sayings and taglines is keeping part of your pip. Yes. In purpose, intention, passion, and persistence. So, until our next segment, and thank you, Alan, my partner in life and in many businesses, is Alan Young. So, till next time, stay strong and be encouraged. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity to speak. Bye.